Today, uh, we're starting the series called, well, it's just going to be today, called Habits. I was going to start it last week, and it was going to be a two-part series. But Saturday morning, I woke up, and I basically stayed in bed till Monday. I had fevers and chills, and I was just incredibly sick. Uh, came down with strep throat, so that was, that was my week. It was lovely. I'm doing better today, and thank you for all those that have prayed for me and then have asked me this morning how I'm doing. Uh, and so instead of doing a two-part series, we're just going just gonna to fit it all in today. I'm talking about habits. And so as we're talking about, you know, starting these good Christ-centered habits, what does that look like? What does that take? And how can we be consistent in, in these new habits? Now we are 14 days into the new year. And I know, I think Peter or Adam, someone asked last week uh, about who had started New Year's resolutions or who started the year with New Year's resolutions. So is anybody here today that has, that has any New Year's resolutions? Yeah? Okay, a couple maybe. That's awesome. Uh, or has, has anybody done New Year's resolutions in the past? Maybe that's a better question to ask. I have. Yeah, all right. Well, maybe to... Not, maybe not to bring us down, if you have any resolutions this year. But I looked up some stats on New Year's resolutions. Um, and by June, those that set resolutions or goals for the year, by June, only about 45% of people will stick with them. That number gets a lot worse when you look at by the end of the year. And by December, only 9% of people that started the year with resolutions will make it the whole year and keep those resolutions. Uh, fitness and diet are the most popular resolutions, but by February, 80% of people that make those resolutions will have quit. And interestingly enough, Friday is the day to quit or to break your resolution. Now, <laughs> now I, I really don't like the word resolution myself. Uh, I had tried and failed many times in years past on resolutions I much prefer the term or the word goal. If I was going to set a goal for the year, uh, for some reason that just has a better, you know, better mindset for me. It's easier sometimes when you set a goal because it's not necessarily constrained by time or it's not like one of those things where it's a resolution. You know, if I mess up once, that's it. Better stop. There's no going back. But a goal is something that you can work towards. It's a little bit, maybe a little more forgiving in that sense. And it's not necessarily something that we stop working towards after a year or a week or a month. And it can become part of our daily routine or our weekly routine. Now, as, as I'm looking into, you know, starting habits for the year, and I was curious, you know, what does it take to start a habit? Like, how does that become part of our routine? What does that take? Well, it takes about 21 days of consistency. 21 days of doing the same thing every day for a new habit to form into routine. That's three weeks. And like dominoes, even a small new habit can trigger progress and can continue to grow. Now, there are a lot of reasons to start a new habit or to set a goal for a year or for a month. I mean, better health, you know, fitness, those are big things usually. Just changing up routine, getting out of, you know, the, the norm and trying something new. And it can also help us quit a bad habit. Um, bad habits are extremely hard to, to work through or to quit cold turkey, but if you replace it with a good habit, 
it takes about three weeks, the same time to replace it, to, get, to start something new. I had a friend who many, many years ago quit smoking after smoking for all his life. And he was an oil field worker and that's just something he got into. And he quit smoking and instead he started chewing toothpicks. And that's just that motion of bringing something up he needed and something in his mouth. So he started chewing toothpicks. And, and I found that out because I asked him about it because I had never seen him without a toothpick. I, that, he was a good friend for a couple of years and I'm like, what is with this? It's, it's, you know, behind the ear or it's in his mouth or somewhere. He has toothpicks on him. And now that's a new habit that he can't quit. But it's probably better than smoking every day. <clears throat> this past fall, uh, my wife and I tried to start a new habit. Well, tried to. I'll say I tried to. My wife did a pretty good job at it. And we want to work out a little bit more, you know, get a little more exercise in our lives. Uh, we started, this is my excuse, we started a week before hunting season. So, no. <laughs> Well, we want to get a little more exercise, you know, a couple times a week, uh, work out a little bit. And it's been about three months, and I've probably done a solid, I don't know, maybe 10 days. And I've felt really convicted about that as I was writing this sermon. You know, I was writing this actually for last Sunday, so two weeks ago. And so, you know what? I'll start working out again. So two weeks ago, I started working out again, and I immediately fell very ill. So... <laughs> <laughs> It must be bad for me, right? <laughs> no, but it's been, it's been a hard week looking at that, looking at my own life going, man, I tried to start this new habit, and here I am saying, you know, if you just do three weeks of something, it's going to be easy. It's not always easy starting a new habit or trying, you know, pushing yourself outside those limits, you know, trying to work out a little bit more, or, you know, if a goal is to lose weight or whatever it is, those are hard things, and they can be hard commitments to stick to. And so I'm, I'm not up here saying that I've done that and it's easy. I'm up here saying I'm, I'm failing at this as well. But I've also been encouraged to know that it, it, it can be easy uh, after those three weeks. After those three weeks of consistency, it can, it's easier each and every day to go back to it and to start something and to continue on with that. You know, a good habit definition is... Uh, Good habits are the actions or behaviors that we want to repeat that have positive physical, emotional, and psychological outcomes or spiritual outcomes. And so Christ, a good Christ-centered habit would have those same outcomes, physical, emotional, and spiritual, with, of course, our focus being on Christ. And so hopefully also a new Christ-centered habit would help you grow closer in your relationship with God. And so whether, you know, you're looking at this new year or starting a, setting a goal or trying, you know, here are some things that we want to do this year, you know, goals and, and habits are great. And if we're focusing them around Jesus, obviously that's better when we are growing in our relationship together. <clears throat> the, the habits in our lives, the good ones and the bad ones, they make up who we are, and how we interact with people. And they also, you know, have a great effect, not just on our friends around us, but especially on our kids. Our habits have a direct impact on our kids' habits. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they, old, they are old, they will not turn from it. 
You know, if we cope with stress in our lives, with bad habits, like, you know, going for a beer or, or smoking or, or drinking or drugs or whatever it is, our kids will see those things as good, uh, you know, as things that they can turn to as well when they get stressed. They're good coping mechanisms. Or if we act one way with these people and then a different way with these people, they're going to see that it's okay to do that as well. You know, they're... The top reason why youth and young adults who are raised in the church and raised in faith, the top reason why they leave the faith when they're 18 or in young adults is because of, of their home situation is the primary reason, is because what they see in their parents on Sunday or at church is different from what they see in their parents at home. And they see these conflicting, this juxtaposition of, you know, their parents act one way at church and a different way at home, and they come to that, that head point, and they come with that conflict, and they're saying, how can these two things be true? How can my Christian parents have, you know, act like this here and act like this at home? <clears throat> what their Christian parents do and say at home is different from what they see and hear Christians should be like in the Bible or from the front of the church. Our habits, our routines, our attitudes, they have a direct impact on our kids and those around us. And if, even if we think our kids aren't listening, they pick up on it. I don't know how many times Aaron and I are talking, and in another room, Rhett will repeat what we've just said. And we're just like, how, how in the world did he hear that? Or we'll be talking, and we'll say, you know, we're trying to teach him that saying that, oh my gosh, is, is bad. So we'll be saying something, and I'll be like, oh my gosh. And he'll, he'll chirp, chirp in, you can't say that. I'm like, oh, like, where are you? How did you hear us say that? But our, you know, our actions or behaviors, I'm already seeing them in my kids, the ones that drive me crazy a little bit. I see you know, our second oldest, Macklin. You know, he, we'll ask him to do something, and you know, a couple times he asks him, you know, ah, can you do this? And you'll find, sometimes you'll get to the point, and he'll just go, oh, fine, and you'll go and do it. And you're like, I really hate that you do that because <laughs> I see myself in you in that, in that time. My habits and, and attitudes are direct. Like they, the kids, they just pick it up. I don't know how many times we've seen something like that because what they see, they repeat. So it's not just our kids, like that Proverbs passage says, it's not just our kids that we need to watch over and teach right but it's our own lives that we need to watch over, the things that we do. And even if we don't have kids, you know, the, 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 those around us in the church or even our coworkers that maybe aren't Christians and they see our habits and our routines, they pick up on the things that we see and say. And I know I've said this before from up here, but I had, you know, coworkers that were very against Christianity, but they were always the ones to ask me the most questions about it. And they were always the ones that if I got upset at work or if something wasn't going right, they would be the ones that would come up to me and go, you know, that wasn't very Christian-like. And it would drive me crazy. But what people see, you know, they see these juxtapositions. But what they always don't understand is that we're not perfect. Just because we're Christians does not mean we're not perfect. But uh, there's passages like Romans 12.2 that encourage us in, you know, in forming these habits and in, in, um, in the changes that they can have in our lives. So Romans 12, 2, it says, 
do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? What does that look like? Well, it means that we're continuously learning and growing in Christ. It means that we don't just hit a a point and stop growing in our faith or stop learning things about God because we can never get to that point. Our God is infinite. He can never be fully known. We can't understand everything about him, but every day we can learn a little bit more if we're willing to learn, if we're willing to grow. I know each day I learn something new, either about myself or about God or a relationship. Or even when I'm reading the Bible, I can read the same passage over and over again and something new can jump out at me each time. When I uh, went to Columbia Bible College, I don't know, some 10 or 11 years ago, there was a course that we took specifically on the book of James. And the professor wanted us to start a new habit for that semester. He wanted us once a week to sit down and to journal, to read through the book of James and to journal when something jumps out at us. And I was not a person that had ever journaled before in my life. And so I was 17 or so. I'm like, I don't even know what to do here. I took my Bible. I went to Tim Hortons, got a coffee, you know, sat down, opened my Bible, opened my coffee, immediately spilled into my Bible and, you know, wipe it off. And I'm like, okay, what... What am I going to do here? What, you know, I'm supposed to just read until what? Well, until three verses in or so, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And that verse jumped off the page like I'd never seen before in the book of James. And so I wrote, wrote that down. And I wrote down, you know, what I thought, you know, God was trying to speak to me there. And, and every week I went back and I would sit down and I would, didn't spill my coffee every week, but... I would sit down and I would read through James and I would just keep going from where I left off until something jumped off the page at me. And that was a great habit to start that semester. It wasn't something that I put on myself, but it was something that someone else said, hey, this is a course requirement, first of all, but this is a good, this is a good habit to get into. Even if it's just once a week reading your Bible and journaling and seeing what God speaks to you. But I know we, we all hit points in our walk with Christ. We all have those times of, of plateau or where we feel stagnant, where we feel like maybe nothing is really progressing. And that can be for a variety of reasons. And that can be also a really dangerous place to stay. Now, I've known too many Christians, too many friends that have hit that kind of wall, hit that plateau, and have just stayed there because they didn't know how to change up the routine or they just got comfortable there and and they didn't want to change up that routine. There will be ups and downs in our walk with Jesus and there will be times of that plateau. But the dangerous part of the plateau is, is when we camp out there. Because in those places, when we just stay there and, and, and willingly stay there, we can become complacent with the sin around us and eventually it can creep in and we can become complacent with the sin in our own lives. And yeah, we can get in a groove with Jesus and we can get in a groove with our relationship and, and figure things out. But when we become stagnant and hit that plateau, that groove can really quickly become a rut that we get stuck in. And so how do we avoid 
being stagnant? How do we avoid or how do we circumvent that bad, those bad habits that creep in? Well, that passage like Romans 12 might say it plainly and simply, but I like this passage from uh, Ephesians 4. It's a little more in-depth. It says, You heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you just go back to that verse 22 there, it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Currently being corrupted. Yes, it's, you're putting off your old self because your new self is in Jesus, but there's always that tension. There's always that, you know, that evil and that, those bad sins that creep into our lives that are currently being corrupted. But to form a good Christian habit, of course we need Christ at the forefront of that. Because it's only by his power and his strength that we're able to, to, you know, to walk forward and to move and to get into these new rhythms and new habits. It's by his power that we watch over our hearts and our minds and that we're renewed by the Spirit each day. Because we can be and we are be, we are being corrupted by evil's deceitful desires. Like dominoes, and you can look at the, the dominoes that are on the screen there in, in, in two ways. You know, it can be a positive thing, you know, a new habit after, after so long, you know, of consistency. It can just get going and, and it can take off. But I don't know if you've ever tried to set up dominoes on end. It can be really hard. And if you knock one over while things are, aren't quite ready yet, it can go in the direction that you don't want it to go in and it can knock out all progress. And just as quickly as, as you want to start something new, it can just be destroyed and demolished. You know, typically we don't think that a good habit is as easy to form as a bad habit. You know, it's a lot easier to, to pick up a bad habit, and that might be true. But a good habit, Christ-centered habit, has a lot more worth to it. Good habits are the things that we want to repeat. They have positive impacts on our lives, physical, emotional, and spiritual. But we are easily swayed. We are easily distracted. We are easy to forget things. And we are being swayed from Jesus on a regular basis. We are being corrupted. You know, I think Paul puts it best, not just there in Romans 12, but earlier in Romans 7, when he says he does what he doesn't want to do. And that passage can be a little confusing. He talks about the law and the spirit. But I, I pulled it up here. We'll read it in the message translation. Um, Romans 7, 13 to 24. It says, I can already hear your next question. Does that mean that I can't even trust what is good? That is the law. Is good just as dangerous as evil? Well, no. Sin simply did what sin is so famous for doing using the good as a cover to tempt me to do what would finally destroy me. But hiding within God's good commandment, sin did far more mischief than it could ever have accomplished on its own. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I am not. Isn't this also your experience? 
Yes, I'm full of myself, after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. I don't understand about myself. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way and then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's commands are necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law, that's God's commands, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least, at least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. If I can sum up that passage, verses 14 to 25, and pull from it, it would say, I would put, I can will it, but I can't do it. Sin is always there to trip me up. But thank God the answer is Jesus. Thank God the answer is Jesus. 91% of people that make New Year's resolutions don't make it to the end of the year. Maybe you've been one of those people in years past. Hopefully you're not one of them just this year. <laughs> and no matter how hard you try at some point, you find yourself doing what you don't want to do. You know, we can do nothing apart from the strength of God. Whether you want to exercise more or read your Bible more, or stop doing one thing and start doing another thing, it can be very hard because often, you know, we have that sin pulling at us, but sometimes we also just put unrealistic expectations on ourselves or unrealistic goals. You might start the new year or start today even, go, I'm going to work out every day this year, but I've never lifted a weight before. And after two days, you can't feel your arms, and you're like, well, that's it. You know, we do the, sometimes the same thing with our hawk with Christ. We set good intentions, and we want to set big goals, but we find ourselves falling short of them. You know, we have busy days, or we forget, and we try to catch up, and we work harder at meeting those goals that we've put on ourselves because it was such a high bar, and eventually we become to resent the thing that we wanted to work better at that was supposed to be a good thing. And then evil creeps in, and we fall away from it again. So if you want to start a new habit this year that brings your focus on God, we need to start first by setting a realistic goal with realistic expectations. And be encouraged that if you're consistent with them, it does get easier. But if you're here today and you're just thinking, no, I'm happy where I'm at. I don't need to, I don't need to set anything or maybe I don't need to push myself this year. I've ha I have enough going on. 
you're, if you're having one of those thoughts right now, I would, I would say be careful. And I would encourage you to try something new, even if it's just once a week. Don't fall into becoming stagnant. Don't become complacent. Start the week off or start your day off tomorrow with trying something new. Maybe it's, that, maybe it's a new you know, weekly reading in your Bible where you're going to journal once a week. Maybe that's after Sunday service so that you can remember, oh, I'm going to have lunch and I'm going to journal something this week. Maybe you want to exercise more or eat healthier or whatever it is. If we start small and reach those goals, it's easier to, to set those bigger goals. But I want Galatians 5, verses 13 to 18 to be an encouragement to you today, but maybe also a bit of a warning. <laughs> we'll finish with this. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law of flesh. You can will it you just can't do it because sin is there to trip us up. But thank God the answer is Jesus. Amen? Amen.